0: Uh, What is a public intellectual and what responsibilities
1: do they have, if any, at all? Public intellectual is a relatively new concept. The term first appeared in the late 80s, I think 1989, in a book by Jacobi. The the word intellectual, of course, precedes public intellectual, uh, by many, many, many uh, centuries even, Mm. 200 centuries. In Russia there is intelligentsia and so on. The first time the term intellectual was used to to designate a group of university-educated professors who specialize in sociology, public policy, and politics, and geopolitics, the first time it was designated this way was actually during the Dreyfus trial. Mm -hmm. Dreyfus, to remind the the viewers, was uh, a Jewish officer in the uh, French army who had been accused of espionage for Germany. The case against him was fabricated by the French military intelligence, his enemies there, who hated the fact that a Jew progressed to the level of an officer. So France uh, divided in two. There was a group of people like Emile Zola and others who supported Dreyfus against the system, against the establishment, and a group of uh, people who, anti-Semites, most of them, who vociferously supported the, the army. Mm. And so it, uh, the, the term intellectuals was reserved for the traitors who supported Dreyfus. Mm. And so the, henceforth intellectual came, came to be identified with someone who is anti-establishment, right. who is a rebel, who is defiant, who supports lost causes. Mm-hmm who espouses on the hidden characteristics of the establishment, including all kinds of conspiracies, etc., mm-hmm. etc. Et and this stuck with us. Today, when we talk about an, an intellectual, we have this image of a university professor or non-professor, uh, someone just in the public sphere, who, um, who says controversial things. Right who is thought-provoking, mm. who attacks the establishment, who exposes all kinds of machinations and so on and so forth. A public intellectual, as distinct from intellectual, is an intellectual, university professor or not, <coughs> who, whose appeal is to the wider public, usually via, the ma- via mass media, and most recently via, via the internet. The responsibilities of the public uh, intellectual, um, uh, it's, it's a very good question, because it depends where. According to Marxist theory and later in communist countries, the role of the public intellectual was to translate the party ideology to the masses, to the peasants and the working class, uh, to generate new ideas regarding social progress and so on and so forth, and to disseminate them and to some extent to supervise their implementation in a proper way. That was in Marxist, communist countries. In the West, it's it's perceived, the roles and responsibilities are perceived to be the public intellectual should disseminate ideas. So uh, he is limited to ideas, not facts, not science. It's not a popularizer of science, for example. But he disseminates ideas in a way that is intelligible to the masses. Mm. And he does that without patronizing, without demagoguery, without falsifying, and without any political bent. It's supposed to be a neut- neutral arbiter so it's, of it's, ideas. It's, it's, quite, it's quite a constrained role then. Very actually, and in this sense, many people who are considered public intellectuals are actually not. Okay, They are... Idea- ideologues, ideologists yes. they are, uh, I don't know, uh, po- politicians, they are um, perhaps scientists or social scientists and so but intellect, public intellectuals they are not. Okay. Uh, if you look at, uh, if you s- pick up a hundred random public intellectuals, for example, of, on YouTube, mm. you will be hard pressed to find a single one. Okay. Most of them have a political bent or espouse a specific, a sp- a specific ideology. Mm or frankly distort, distort reality or facts, um, impose frameworks of interpretation which are highly biased, mm. prejudiced, et cetera, et cetera. And this includes, for example, black intellectuals, okay. uh, feminine, feminist intellectuals. Mm-hmm. Um, it includes uh, professors who, who are, let's say, right-wing or left-wing. Mm. It's extremely difficult to find a public intellectual who is a neutral arbiter of ideas. Okay, very. So, with these uh,
0: people who we are calling public intellectuals now, would they better be described as celebrities
1: or celebrity intellectuals? Actually, throughout history, most public intellectuals were celebrities. Start with Socrates. Socrates was uh, very famous in the markets of uh, in the markets of Athens. Um, during his trial, all of Athens f- followed. It was like court TV, um, his execution, uh, and so on and so forth, it was a public event. All, all intellectuals throughout history were usually very, very famous figures. Um, so I wouldn't say that celebrity is a new status for intellectuals, but I would say that the last 20 years, the first time that intellectual work is subjected to celebrity. In other words, usually it was like you engage in intellectual intellectual work, Mm. it was distinguished, it was formidable, it was thought-provoking, it was groundbreaking and owing, I mean, because of that you became famous or become a celebrity. Today the roles are reversed. You either first become a celebrity and then mysteriously you're transformed into a public intellectual. Mm -hmm. This is called the halo effect Mm. in psychology or um, you tailor your public message as an intellectual mm. to cater to the widest possible audience so that you have the biggest number of views and the widest appeal, and you are uh, as provocative as possible and so on and so forth. So actually you subject your objectivity, your neutrality, your, your scientific ethics, you subject them to, to, to celebrity, to the goal of celebrity. <coughs> Excuse me. But based on on what you defined as being
0: uh, a public intellectual, that, yeah, as as you've said, I suppose, that neutralizes most
1: of the people that we think of as public intellectuals. Yes, absolutely. There are extremely, extremely few public intellectuals. There are left-wing intellectuals, Mm. there are right-wing intellectuals, Mm. there are conservative, religious, Mm. but owing to these uh, precedent labels, owing to these uh, prefixes, Mm. they are not public intellectuals. Are you surprised at all by the proliferation of the
0: number of so-called public intellectuals and just how popular they've become in the last, it
1: only seems to me to be the last four or five years? I think the more the more disorientation there is, mm. the more people feel disoriented, the more complex the world becomes, mm. the more guidance they seek, mm. and the aura of academe. Uh, carries forth. So if you're a university professor, you're supposed to have privileged knowledge and so on and so forth. It's very interesting because there are two absolutely contradictory trends. Okay. On the one hand, there is a groundswell of anti-expertise, mm-hmm. anti-intellectuals, yeah. anti-intellect. Yeah. That you see, for example, in Wikipedia, mm. where experts are left off, mm. uh, chased away, and so on and so forth. I mean, if you try to contribute to Wikipedia and you say, well, I'm a professor on this subject, you'll be usually um, trolled and abused and bullied to the point that you will abandon the platform. Really? So Wikipedia is an example. And not the best because lately they are becoming more and more uh, moderated and so on. But generally on the internet there is an um, anti-expertise movement. So for example, if you're a doctor and you espouse vaccines you are probably bribed by the pharmaceutical companies. Mm. If you are, if you are a political scientist, if you are, even if you are a physicist, mm. if if you say the Earth is round, I mean, the Earth is flat. So, there is a, an overwhelming, uh, overwhelming sense, overwhelming hostile ambience and hostile atmosphere towards experts, scholars, uh, professors, and so on. on. The one hand, mm. on the other hand, if you become a celebrity. Mm. Uh, you are then allowed to, to, to claim to be an expert or, or an intellectual. So, if you're just run over mill expert, mm. you are suspect, you are just one voice of many, your truth is as good as anyone else's mm. truth. I mean, you have no privileged position. And, and if you try to claim a privileged position, mm. that means you are part of the establishment and uh, you support the mainstream mm. and you are falsifying or you are, sheeple, you are stupid, mm. you don't realize what's happening and so on and so forth. And even there are even intellectuals who participate in this anti-expertise movement, for example, Chomsky, uh, for example, Milton Friedman. They were anti-expertise. Uh, there are there are, there's of course there of course whole movements. For example, there's an anti-psychiatry movement, right? Which is you know psychiatry is bullshit. It's, yeah. Uh, so there is a, b- a huge strand of anti-expertise mm-hmm. however if you became a celebrity mm-hmm. as an as an expert or became a kaku cele- or yeah. became a celebrity as a public intellectual jordan Peterson, then it's okay not your expertise legitimizes your celebrity your celebrity legitimizes your expertise right celebrity first yeah and is this
0: because the main platform that they're using is youtube so I don't want to be told the truth by an expert that I've never heard of, but if I recognize his face, I recognize his voice, that's okay.
1: Is it yes. as stupid as that? That's not that's known as the hello effect. Even if you're a footballer, you can express political opinions, and right. if you're a politician probably you have a lot to say about quantum mechanics, right. and so on oh, and so yeah. forth. It's called the hello effect. Mm-hmm. So if your face, I mean face, face recognition, brand recognition, mm-hmm. if your face is recognized, mm-hmm you can talk about almost anything and indeed if you isolate these celebrity so-called public intellectuals Mm. you would see that they never limit themselves to a specific field Mm. so for example if you have a psychologist celebrity public intellectual Mm -hmm. he would not limit himself to personality disorders he would talk about everything he would talk about evolution he would talk about religion he would talk about marxism he Mm. would talk about um, physics even yeah i mean and uh, the same with Michui, Michui Kaku, of the aforementioned Michui is he's, he's yeah. allegedly one of the founders of uh, quantum string, uh, I mean, um, string field theory, mm. I will not go into it. Mm. But he's, uh, he's a physicist. Yeah. But you would find him arguing about God, mm. which is a 4,000 year old topic. Yeah. I mean, you need like, what, 40 years to get acquainted with it? Yeah. Yeah. Nobody's arguing with the, theologians and so on yeah. about God. Mm. So everyone, The minute you become a celebrity, Mm. that qualifies you to talk about everything, it's okay. So this is the inversion of our age. Celebrity first and then everything else follows. Your expertise is a derivative of your celebrity, not the other way. And
0: I presume that this effect is why we have people who are uh, celebrity intellectuals or uh, faux public intellectuals talking about topics that probably
1: they shouldn't and really confusing things. Yes, it's uh, far more than confusing. They are misguided. Mm. Um, they spread misinformation. Mm. They and consequently they motivate huge groups of people because many of them have access to hun- to tens of millions of people. Yeah. and they, they they move mountains. Mm. They motivate groups of people to reach the wrong decisions, including politicians, yeah, including yeah, yeah. activists, yeah. Uh, grassroots activists, and so on and so forth. So yes. Uh, Physicists talk about God, Mm. Uh, psychologists talk about uh, evolution, I mean, all the boundaries are are broken. It's as though celebrity is a form of expertise, like you said the other day, I mean, famous for being famous. Like, if you qualified, if you became famous for being famous, that means that you are so special, so unique, Mm. that... Uh, by virtue of this uniqueness, you must have instant insight to all fields of human knowledge. Right. It's almost as a god-like. Mm. Like, you know, you're as famous as God, so you must be God. Yeah. Kind of. Right. And um, there's, of course, relative positioning. Mm-hmm. How many views? Right. How many likes? Yeah. How many... So it's very infantile mm. and immature. And, of course, this would radicalize the public intellectual. Right. A public intellectual that says, um, it's good to be a good person, mm. would get 800 views on a good day. Mm. But a public intellectual that says the mainstream media is part of the deep state and they intend to bring down uh, independent voices like Donald Trump, mm. that kind of public intellectual will get 800,000 views. Right. He has an inbuilt incentive to radicalize, mm. to be extreme, to mm. mislead, mm. to I prefer conspiracy theories, etc., yeah. etc. Yeah. In other words, the relative posi- coming back to social media, yeah. the relative positioning system via likes, via ranking, via via the algorithm of YouTube, which yeah. offers you uh, videos based on related, videos that you've watched and related, yeah. and, related yeah. and so yeah. Yeah. on, yeah. all these corrupt the intellectual, corrupt right. the public discourse, mm. and uh, render actually everything suspect. So if you're in an environment like
0: YouTube, that particular social medium rewards provocation, rewards clickbait titles, rewards, um, I don't know what it is where you foster people te- going into their separate teams, what would you call it? Conflict. Uh, conflict.
1: Rewarding. Yeah. Tag teaming. Yes. yes. Conflict. Theory. Yes. These are adversarial systems. It's no wonder that this, these are American systems. Because right. the American system of government, the American hmm. system, the American judiciary system hmm. is adversarial. Right. American system of government is checks and balances. Everyone yeah. fighting everyone. Yeah. President is fighting Congress. Congress is fighting the courts, etc. Same with the same with the judiciary mm. in America. So adversarial system. Mm. Consequently, um, American technology is adversarial, mm. um, especially social media and, and so on. Yeah. So um, conflict is encouraged uh, at the expense of communication. Yeah. Um, opinions are encouraged at the expense of information. Right. Um, Provocation is encouraged at the expense of truth, yep. et cetera, et cetera. Yep. This This is absolute corruption of intellectual discourse right. in which all so-called public intellectuals today are participating eagerly, absolutely eagerly. To that extent, I mean, we could say you can draw a direct
0: line, a direct correlation between social media usage in this case by so-called public intellectuals and the kind of political term well, that we're witnessing and the confusion. That, that's re, re- <coughs> like a, a, a fever of hysteria,
1: particularly around politics. I would say that the politics is a part of this trend where celebrity overtakes qualifications. Mm-hmm. So you could have a celebrity as a president of the United States. Mm. You could have celebrity as a judge, you could have celebrity, so it seems that celebrity has taken over as the sole qualification. Mm. Everything else comes comes second. It's the, the philosophy of fake it till you make it. Mm. Um, if you put your mind to it, it's narcissi- narcissistic, if you put your mind to it, there's nothing you cannot do. You can do right. anything if you put your mind to it. Yeah. So that part is negligible. Because yeah. all you have to do is put your mind to it. Right. Now the big problem is to be recognized. Yeah. Now that's an art. Yeah. There you have coaches, business coaches, yeah. YouTube coach. I mean, there you have a whole industry. Of how a, it's a, how it's to be noticed? It's how to a be t- recognized? T- totally different skill set. No, it's, a, a it's a different skill set, and uh, for example, uh, it's not analytic. Um, no. to, being, to be recognized requires communicative skills, mm. requires uh, social skills, mm. but not analytical skills. Yeah. Um, actually, in today's age, analytical skills are considered <laughs> sometimes antisocial mm. or asocial. Yeah. So. And, of course, the public intellectual should be, above all, an intellect. He should be be analytical. He should offer ideas, dissected, rearranged, in a way that present both sides uh, for your perusal and decision. But public intellectuals never do this anymore. I can't think of a single time I've ever witnessed that. I agree, yeah. Not one. And this had been the role of public intellectuals well into the 60s. Um, in France for example, Raymond Aron, and I mean they, they were all over the world, they were public intellectuals and that's what they did. Mm. They presented to you, I mean they had a position and they said I think it's like that but yeah. they presented to you the whole, yeah. whole panoply of possibilities yeah, yeah. and well, like a menu and you, they told you I, I like this dish but you know. This is everything else is here. is everything top. else, these are the drinks and so on. It sounds a lot more healthy to me
0: because everything at the moment seems to be, um, Coming like you, you can't speak without having an, a, do your position set first, and you're not really allowed to say, "Well, I don't know. I'm, be- I'm willing to go this way. I'm willing to go that. Let's debate. Let's talk, and we'll see." No, you start with your position. I noticed that uh, for about three or four <coughs> years ago on YouTube, people would be saying, "Is this guy a liberal or is he?" Uh, it's got nothing. It's a fucking video on psychology. Who cares whether I'm a liberal or right wing? What difference does it make?
1: Yes, because uh, um, confirmation bias. Uh, belonging to a silo, a thought silo, Mm -hmm. belonging to a bubble, Um, being with like-minded people, uh, fending off countervailing information and the the intrusions of reality (laughs) and so these have become the the main art form in uh, online and so anyone who threatens the status quo by claiming to know the truth, by offering S- possibilities and so on, is a problem and is chased away. Yeah. Um, it's a spo- is, is is, uh it is crushes the party, yeah. so he's chased away. But I think it's uh, even more pernicious than that. Um, we mentioned, we mentioned uh, celebrity, we neglected to mention money. Mm. Money has an effect. Um, eyeballs, in some cases, or selling products to your base. Yeah or leveraging your base, for example, in seminars, and, and so uh, the on, more, the more traction you get, the more, the more views and so on, I mean, the more Absolutely, money you make. Yeah. So you have an incentive to radicalize and everything else I mentioned. Yeah. You have an incentive not to be truthful. Now, how can you do that? How can you not be truthful? So, that led to the abolition of truth. There's your truth and my truth. Mm. There's facts and alternative facts. Right. This is your opinion, that the Battle of Hastings happened in 1066, it's your opinion. Mm. And so said, what do you mean opinion? Happened in 1066. <laughs> well, maybe, <laughs> could be, yeah. could be. Yeah, let me look it up uh, Wikipedia. <laughs> and in Wikipedia I see it, it was 1066, I, I might agree with you. Mm. Problem with Wikipedia, of course, that any 17-year-old can change the date to Uh, ...1966, so it's a very fluid, shall we say, gently, Mm. uh, medium. Mm. And um, so there is a truthism, there is a situation where there's no truth. Um, The French are are guilty for that. Really? Yes, the French are guilty for everything. Good, I like this conclusion. And this as well. (laughs) The French are guilty (laughs) because they came up with uh, the relativity of ideas they came up with the relativity of text. They said, text hides underneath it, subtext, which we can decipher by relativizing everything, by saying that uh, even a fact is a choice. And the choice, therefore, is biased, prejudiced. It's relative. So via deconstructivism and and other similar theories, not only, via deconstructivism, Derrida and others, the French uh, actually ruined, demolished the foundation of ontology, like there is epistemology and ontology. Yeah. Ontology is what exists, yeah. epistemology is your thinking process. Yeah. So they said no, there's no ontology, ontology is a form of epistemology. right? And uh, they united the two and that created havoc. And I also blame Albert Einstein, <laughs> <laughs> I, I bl- blame him. I just regret that he was not French. <laughs> yeah. But I have to blame him. Perhaps because that,
0: Perhaps that's an alternative fact. I remember him as being French. We can make him French in time. It's all relative.
1: Uh, we'll change the Wikipedia entry later. Yes. <laughs> um, but he was the second worst. He was a Jew. So um, Albert Einstein was the first celebrity intellectual. Right. The first ever mm-hmm. celebrity intellectual. Mm-hmm. He was a guy who dedicated as much attention to confetti parades and op- photo, op- uh, photo opportunities, mm. as he did to his science, mm. he was utterly addicted to to fame. Mm. He was granting interviews two, three a day. I mean, he was like total addict. Right. Um, he established the movement. The, the he, he was the first celebrity intellectual, mm. and then other intellectuals kind of liked it. I mean, it's gratifying, you know. Yeah, yeah. And why only there Look much better, you know. And, uh, so they, which was not difficult. So <laughs> they, you know, jumped on the bandwagon. Yeah. And yeah. it became a conflagration. Yeah. By the 60s, uh, most public intellectuals were already celebrities, although it's as a second place. Like there were first intellectuals, then celebrities. Yeah. But by the 80s and 90s, celebrities became intellectuals, not the other way. Mm. And that was that was it. That was too late already. So w-
0: what you were talking about before—that's. Uh it's postmodern thought, isn't it? This relativity of ideas.
1: Yes, it's part of postmodernism. And you said it Relativity it. of facts as well, not Rel- only of ideas. Of, of, sorry. Because of, fact is a choice. Sorry. Relativity of mm. facts,
0: mm. which is uh, a strange concept. Just as an aside, personally, where do you stand on that? Do you like postmodern thought? Do you think it's useful? Depends.
1: Okay. Depends. That's my favorite word, by the way, when I don't know <laughs> what to answer. Um, but to your regret I know what to answer. So, it uh, really depends. Yeah. If you are deciphering, for example, you are deconstructing yeah. a political text, it's yeah. very useful. Yes. If you are deconstructing advertising yeah. it's very useful, yeah, because yeah. advertising includes a call for action. It yeah. includes an interpellation, yeah. uh, as Althusser called it interpellation. And the interpolation is hidden. Advertising will always kind of hide it. It might tell you buy this car, mm. but actually they will put a naked blonde next to the car. Yeah. Which is the real, that's the real clean. Yes, right? yeah. So when you, when you deconstruct uh, advertising, when you deconstruct political texts, sociological yes. texts, anthropological texts, journalistic texts, yeah. literary texts, yeah. deconstructivism is genius. Yes, It's, it's amazing, absolutely amazing. Yeah. I mean, you read the text, one way. Yeah. And then the reader comes and tells you, oh, are you an idiot? Yeah. Can't you see that these words provoke these associations? They're connected to this period yeah. and actually they are sabotaging you. And they are telling you actually about the blacks, that they are like this. And, yeah. and you suddenly you see the text in the topic. Right. But unfortunately, the constructivism was applied to areas that it should not have been. Right. For example, it was applied to the philosophy of science. So you had people like Feyerabend and others and they they begin to deconstruct scientific texts and yeah. so on. Like, science is also a choice. It's also a fashion. It's a fad. Right. It has hidden te- subtext and sub-subtext and yeah. I don't know what else. Yeah. It has denotates and connotates and so on. But it's not true. Mm. Science is a rigorous, pretty automatic automatic method. Yeah. Uh, human-free, I would say, method. Mm. Of gathering information, putting it in, in very well-defined rigid structures like hypotheses and then theories, and then falsifying them. Yeah. It's uh, really totally automated. Indeed, a lot of science today is made by computers, not by people. Right. There is no point to deco- it's utterly counterproductive. It also yields wrong results yeah. when you deconstruct a scientific text. Yeah. Similarly, when you try to deconstruct, uh, I don't know, um, some types of college textbooks, as there was an, uh, an attempt. Some texts, sh- and uh, when we say text by the way, it's not only text, it's mm. images and so on. So some texts should never be de- deconstructed. And um, deconstructivism, among other movements, similar movements, uh, went uh, way too far. This tendency towards
0: deconstructivism, uh, with this account for, the, there was an experience, I've had it a number of times, where I'm talking to students, around the age of 20, 21, and they've read a book and they whether it's, whether it's a factual book or a fiction, they'll say, um, this was my interpretation of the book. And then I'll say, yes, and th- this is the author's interpretation of the book. And they see their interpretation as equal to the author's interpretation. And I always say, well, the person who wrote it is the person who gets to say ultimately what it's about and they don't, they don't seem to feel that at all.
1: Is that social constructionism that's, that's done that, do you it's think? something else, but it's very close to it's deconstructivism. Okay. This was um, uh, first proposed by Ronald Barth, right. Ronald Barth in 1980. Uh, he wrote a book called the Death, the Death of the Author. Okay. He said a work of art, literature for example, yeah. it's utterly irrelevant what the author meant. What is relevant, is the reactions it provokes in the, in the reader. So he said that a work of art, there is no co- one copy of a work of art. You can read a book and then give it to me and I'll read it and we have read two different books. And the author cannot come as an arbiter and say Richard Graner is right, yes. is, sorry, Vaknin is right, <laughs> Richard Graner is wrong. Yeah. Because um, the author has no privileged position. That's just his view. And that's Ronald Buff. That's a really repellent idea. That's a. That's a Many lot. authors find it uh, slightly amusing. But yeah. Yes. <laughs> but a lot of well, seem to be Not fully. It's not fully repellent because um, uh, 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 text has two layers. Mm. So there is the the textual layer, but there is also the resonance in the reader's mind. Yes. So, and only when they combine, you have the literary sure. experience. Sure, So each resonance is different. Lee yeah. will have one kind of resonance, I will have one kind of resonance. Yeah. And with your limitations, you will have a third kind of <laughs> resonance. <laughs> so these, um, so we will have three different texts. That's yeah, pretty yeah. correct. Yeah. The author, though, where I disagree with Ronald Bath, So I yeah. agree yeah. that yeah. we each generate a different text. 100%. Um, where I disagree with Ronald ba- Yeah. is that when it comes to... Certain types, not all. Certain types of textual interpretation—it's Yeah. Um, it's called hermeneutics. Certain types of there, the author has privileged position. It's very similar to the Constitution of the United States. Right. In the in, when um, no legal scholars mm. try to interpret the Constitution, yeah. you have basically two camps. Okay. One are, uh, one camp is called the originalists mm-hmm. or the literalists. Mm-hmm. They interpret the Constitution. As the writers of the constitution had meant. So they dig into diaries, they try to find all kinds of correspondence, <laughs> and they they read the Federalist Papers right. and say when they wrote above, they meant above. Because they meant above, you know? So that's one approach. Yeah. Second approach is called activism, judicial activism. It says the text is text, yeah. but it must be adapted to today's conditions, today's mindset, etc. etc. And yep. even if somehow the modern interpretation contradicts the literal interpretation, the modern interpretation should prevail. Right. So it's exactly Ronald Buff. Ronald Buff says the text is not relevant. Okay. The, so, and the constitution is, of course, a text. Yeah. It's a text, yeah. it's the same. So this is, yes, it's part of postmodernism. It's not deconstructivism. It's part okay. of postmodernism. Okay. And by the way, there's a similar approach to works of art. I mean, like uh, yeah. uh, plastic art. So. There is a question of uh, how, to, how to read paintings. Mm. That, that is applicable mostly to modern art, Okay. modern art. Yeah. because if you see a beautiful naked woman in a Rubens painting, yeah, uh, some parts of your anatomy would do the interpretation without uh, higher intervention. Right. But if you see um, um, no, a red square yeah. on a white background, yeah that is a bit problematic until you realize it's the hydrant. That's a bit <laughs> problematic. because what does it mean? Yeah. yeah. So what does it mean? There are several possibilities. You can call the artist. Excuse me, Mr. Artist, what the hell did you mean? Yeah. So what do you mean what I mean? <laughs> I meant this, the red represents blood on the white fields of uh, Finland in okay. 1940. Right. Let's assume. Okay. And then, according to, to Barth and others, you can say, what is this nonsense? Yeah. I don't see this like, I don't see it like that. It represents the blood of virginity on white sheets. Right. And according to Barth, the author has no privilege, I mean the painter, has yeah. no privileged position. Yeah, Because he said, uh, the work of art is a trigger. The art itself is generated in the viewer's, reader's mind. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's, you, ask yeah, yeah. you ask me, you ask me, I answered. Yeah. Next time you ask me, I will not answer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so some of these things, they can be good ideas and then if they're taken like a very, very long way or taken to areas, as you said earlier, where they don't belong, like, like science that's when things start to fall Yes, down.
1: when we begin to deal with the texts that apply to reality, as we yeah. perceive it, yeah. to ontological entities, yeah. to entities, to yeah. objects, to... That is wrong to deconstruct.
0: Yeah.
1: Unfortunately, deconstructivism um, became arrogant, there was hubris yeah. to this very day. Yes. And they interpret everything. Right. They interpret Einstein's uh, papers on photoelectric effect, and, okay. and so on. So, Firehubbin, Fire for example, is a book claiming that um, quantum mechanics, where you have particles all over, was developed in the 1920s and 30s because people were shooting in the streets of Germany. Because quantum mechanics in the 20s and 30s were developed mostly by German Jews. Okay. Not only, I mean, they were yeah. non-Jews, yeah, yeah. but mostly by German Jews. So he said, you, you see, particles are shooting all over because in the streets of Germany there, were, there was a lot of shooting, okay. <laughs> cute how does it contribute to the understanding of anything is beyond me. Yeah, But it's an example, right? where really you should not do it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's really. I mean. It's gonna make you look silly and it's not gonna a add A bit, yeah. yes. A bit, even if your name is Fire Abend, <laughs> which is a name to be respected. So, speaking of things going in the wrong
0: place, uh, is there <coughs> any place for the public intellectual or the so-called public intellectual to be involved in politics?
1: Yes, I mean, all public intellectuals Um, And intellectual, because public intellectual is a new concept, but intellectuals before them, all the intelligentsia was always involved in politics That's a primary, that's a primary concern of intellectuals, okay. Intellectuals are political arbiters, okay, so they must be involved in politics, public policy, public norms, uh, applicability of norms to individuals social units, institutions, geopolitics. I mean, that's, politics is the sphere yeah. of the public intellectual. Yeah. 99 out of 100 public intellectuals are essentially in politics okay. or deal with politics. Uh, public, um, so, but not in the way it's done today. Yeah. What you should do as a public intellectual when you deal with politics is not that you're not allowed to have an opinion, mm. you are allowed to have an opinion, mm-hmm. but what you should do is el- elucidate, enlighten. Right. Uh, in French, they used to call the, long, long time ago, I think 200 years ago maybe, mm-hmm. they used to call intellectuals, bourgeoisie éclairé. The uh, bourgeoisie, the middle class yeah. of enlightened, enlightened middle class. Okay. Enlightened bourgeoisie, <coughs> enlightened middle class. Mm-hmm. Enlightened, yeah. The aim of the public intellect, and these were the intellectuals. Right the a, um and for example in german in germany at the same period they used to call them uh, uh, Bildung, bildungsbürgertum okay um, do you know what is bildungsbürgertum i have no idea what any of those words mean that's good. Beaux, I, bourgeoisie should be eating. Is bourgeoisie I should mention e- the <laughs> superiority.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> bourgeoisie eclair, I thought that was something to do with Bourgeoisie that. eclair, some cookies. M- middle class people eating cakes. <laughs> some <Something> cookies,
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> eating cookies. <laughs> I thought so. That's no, why I bothered to enlighten you. level, I bothered to enlighten you, yeah. <laughs> uh, Bildungs, Bildungsbürgertum means um, the citizenship mm. of those who constructs construct pictures. Bildungs okay. is picture but not only picture, it also means um, landscape or putting, putting things together. Okay. Okay, so you have Bildungsroman. Uh-huh. It's a, so buildings is like putting things together in a kind of visual way. Okay. So the citizens who construct, so these two words actually give you the, the essence of public intellectual. The role of a public intellectual is to paint a painting, to okay. paint for you, a canvas, okay. a, a panorama of everything he can say, he has full right to say, because he's human, Well, some of them are human, and they have right to say, listen, this is the, these are the solutions, I mean, one to 19. Yeah. I personally think that 17 and 19 are the best. Mm. Why I think? Because they, is, they have a right to an opinion, yeah. but not before. They have painted for you yeah. the total picture okay. in a totally unbiased and unprejudiced way. Yeah. No one is doing this today. No, I, not, not a single not one, one is doing this. so. Yes, the answer is not only can they engage in um, politics and ideology; it is yeah. their moral obligation to engage in politics and ideology, but as educators, as arbiters, as um, um, uh, guides. Uh, the Romans Romans used to call such people vademecum. Vade, do you know what is vademecum? I'm delighted. <laughs> I'm <laughs> absolutely you, delighted with it. Don't raise a single word. That's very bad. Vade, come, mekum, with me. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Come with me. Okay. That's what most police forces are using today. Vade you. Vade mekum, you motherfucker. So, uh, educated policemen say that. Yeah. <laughs> Other policemen say freeze. <laughs> so, Uh, But really seriously, the Romans called them Vademecum. come with me, come with me, I'll show you. I'll show you the the Agora, I'll show you the temples, I'll show you the statues, I'll show you. And then I will tell you, listen, my favorite is this palace, Palace Athena, that's my favorite. But first I will show you everything. So this is the public entry. He's a Vademecum. come with me. He has to take you by the hand and and lead you and show you everything. Panorama of human knowledge, human opinion, human history, human... Even in politics, you have, you have depth. Yes. I mean, <laughs> you have. Yeah. Even, and of course, all ideologies are forms of philosophy. They're grounded in thousands, usually, of years. Yeah. Even the most recent ideologies are grounded in thousands of years. It is the role of the public intellectual to expose these roots, Yes. to tell you, listen, this ideology in the 19th century was like that, in the 17th was like that, in the yeah. 12th was like that. Yeah. That's his role. His role is to familiarize the world to you. Okay. make you familiar with the world, make you at home in the world. And um, I, I always call public intellectuals the Gemütlichkeit, the, the ones who make you feel uh, cozy yeah. in the world, like the, the world is your oyster. You know? Because when you face a complex, ever-changing, shape-shifting uh, world, mm. it's, it's frightening, it's yes. disorienting. Yeah, yeah. Um, intellectuals public intellectuals, anxiolytics, anti-anxiety medication. Right. <laughs> they should reduce your anxiety. Yeah. I mean, you come, uh, what's going on here? I don't yeah. understand what's happened. Yeah. Sit down. <laughs> it's not the first time it's happening. Yeah. It happened before in the 1940s, yeah. and then this is what happened, nothing. Then it happened in 1920, it was bad, but after seven years it was okay. I mean, yeah. they should calm you down. Yes. It should reduce your anxiety. Today, public intellectuals, because they're first celebrities mm. concerned with views, concerned with money, concerned mm. with... They do exactly opposite.
0: Yeah.
1: They enhance your anxiety. Because the more anxious you are, the more sticky you are, the more the yeah. stickiness. Yes. they I make you anxious, you'll we'll come back again to see what the comments are. Yeah. What am I saying in my next video? I mean, I, I, anxiety is uh, creates conditioning. Yeah. We know. Yeah. Um, Pavlo's experiments with dogs created anxiety in the dog. Yeah. The bell is ringing, <laughs> where's my uh, anxiety medication? No? Yeah. So I say that intellectuals betrayed the masses, betrayed the masses on three levels. First of all, they enhance anxiety rather than reduce anxiety, they made the world less familiar, not more familiar. Yes. And they do it on purpose. They make it less familiar, not more f- They appear to be popularizing us, but actually there are hidden messages. That's deconstructivism. Right. There are hidden messages which make it less familiar yeah. and make the masses dependent on the public intellectual. Right. Like it, uh, you have to, it's kind of dictatorial, authoritarian. Yes. Suspend your judgment, suspend, I'll take over. Yes. You can rely on me. Yeah. I'm genius. I'm a yeah. public intellectual, I mean, you can leave it to me. That's first betrayal. Right. Second betrayal, dissemination knowingly, dissemination of misinformation, yeah. misguidance, yeah. Uh, disinformation, and so on. That's egregious. It's very bad. Yeah. The third betrayal, the three, the third betrayal, it's the role of public intellectuals to be gatekeepers. Right. Um, what does it mean, gatekeeper? Gatekeeper simply filters out trash okay. and maintains quality. It's quality standards, yeah. quality control. Uh, make sure the content is correct, ontologically correct. The facts yeah. are facts. Battle of Battle of Hastings is 1066. Yeah. By the way, is it 1066 and not any other year? Yeah. So, and finally, he guarantees gatekeeper guarantees discoverability. Yeah. He ranks. Yeah. He says in this field the best book is this. Okay. Second best is this, etc. So he provides you with three services: quality. So he filters out trash. Discoverability tells you which is best, which is yeah. you know, not so good. And he guarantees the reliability of the information you're getting. Okay. Uh, all public intellectuals abdicated and abrogated these responsibilities. Yeah. They no longer guarantee quality. Actually, yeah. they increase trash. Mm. They generate trash. They must, must they disguise trash as quality. Yeah. The absolute betrayal in this field. They disseminate knowingly, when it fits them, disinformation, misinformation, misguidance. For example, conservative public intellectuals in the United States. And finally, they uh, do not provide ranking algorithms or rankings so that you know what is best, what is not. Because today, everything is equal. Malignant egalitarian. I mean, who are you to tell me that this book? I read the second book is much (laughs) better than the first book. Uh, But excuse me, I'm the cardiologist. So, (laughs) so. Second book is better than the first. Let's vote. Let's vote. So, there's a betrayal by the. Now, I think people, the crowd online are children. Mm. They're children. They feel abandoned by their parents. Yeah. They feel abandoned. Yeah. I mean, never mind. They're happy. Of course they're happy. They open the cupboards, there are candy, this yeah. candy, there is snacks, they are celebrating, they are smoking weed. I mean, everyone is happy. Nine-year-olds are smoking weed. <laughs> so, the kids are happy when they're left alone, home yeah. alone. Yeah. Home alone one, two and three, I mean, they're happy. Yeah. They do anything, you know. But gradually, it begins to, to induce anxiety. Right. Where's mommy and daddy? Yeah. I mean, it's already dark. What are we going to do? I mean, I think we're at this stage. We're at the stage where we celebrated, we consumed all the candy, smoked all the weed, and played with father's laptop. And now where are the parents? What's going on? Why are they not coming back? Why did they leave us alone in the dark? And who is knocking at the door? Should I open it? I mean, there's massive anxiety today. Into this anxiety, fake four public intellectuals are tapping. Yes. They're tapping into this anxiety, yes. And they are not saying, "Don't be anxious. Yeah. I will familiarize the world to you.. Yeah. I will familiarize the, ho- the house to you, yes. Uh, and I will make you less anxious. I will enlighten you. less anxious by la- they are not saying this. Yeah. They're saying, "Listen, the world is a really hostile place. Yeah. It's really frightening. Mm-hmm. You are right to be frightened you. Mm-hmm bad nine-year-old with smoking uh, piece of shit. You're right to be frightened. But I know the answers. Right? I know everything. You just have to stick with me, I'll yeah. guide you, and yeah. follow everything I'm saying, but everything. Because if you don't follow one of the 2,363 rules, the rest, I mean, it's a, it's a unity. Of course, each rule is $5. <laughs> so pay me, yeah. buy my products, yeah. read my books, Etc. all based on enhancing anxiety. So they are not really intellectuals, they are faux intellectuals, fake intellectuals, who are leveraging and abusing the anxiety. Yes. Into this space,
0: uh, well, what would you call somebody who, into this space, not only abrogated their
1: responsibilities as public intellectual, but launched their own ideology? There's nothing wrong in launching an ideology. For example, uh, Sam Vaknin is a genius. Mm. It's an ideology. <laughs> it's also a fact. <laughs> so, in this case, I'm not misleading the public. But it should make you anxious that I'm a genius. Now, <laughs> <coughs> um, nothing wrong in launching ideology, Yeah, really. Nothing wrong in having an opinion. That's it's same. not that uh, n- uh, public intellectuals should be deaf, and deaf, dumb and blind. Okay. or should be machine-like, because yeah. listen, if it's only knowledge, yeah, yeah. there's Wikipedia or yeah. whatever, Britannica. You shouldn't just be spewing facts. Yeah, it's not a, a fact-check okay. a famous website. Okay. It's, not, it's not this. It's not a, you have Britannica, you don't need that. On the contrary, they should offer you facts in a structured way so that it provides an organising explanatory principle, yes. which will then make you feel that you are at home in the world. Okay. They should make the world intelligible. Now, one way of making the world intelligible is ideology, it's one way. So, there are very bad ideologies. The world is as it is because the Jews control it. That's an ideology, it's called antisemitism or Nazism. That's a bad ideology, but it still provides an explanatory principle. That's why it's so attractive. That's why it attracted tens of millions of people all over the world. It has explanatory power, organizing power and so on. Today, Illuminati. So, yes. some ideologies are conspiracy-minded. Yes. And these are, you, immediately, you know, these are bad ideologies. Yeah. But some ideologies are not, for example, um, science is good yeah. because it leads to technology and to the progress of the human mind okay. or human species. Hmm. That's an ideology, of course. Yeah, <laughs> Scientific statement, it's not a historical statement, it's not an ontological statement, no one can test it. Yeah. How do we know it's good? Actually, if you look back 100 years, not so sure. Nuclear weapons, this, that. I don't know, I'm not so sure about this. But this is the ideology. Yeah. We have an sci- sci- ideology of science. Mm. Similarly, democracy is a good system, better than any other. It's mm. ideology, absolute ideology. Yeah. I think it sucks. I think it's absolutely the most idiotic system ever invented. <laughs> and, ca- and leads to disasters, yeah. mega disasters. Yeah, yeah. Like, for example, Adolf Hitler, who was elected three times in a democracy, not to mention Donald Trump. So I don't think democracy is a good idea, but there is an ideology of democracy. Similarly, capitalism, an ideology and so on. So an intellectual can come and say, listen, I have an explanatory organizational principle that makes sense of the world, makes it familiar to you as you feel at home, but also calls for action because all ideologies call for action. Capitalism, make money. Science, do research. And that's legitimate, absolutely legitimate role of the public intellectual as, but here's the problem, here's the caveat. As long as he identifies it as ideology, and not pretends that it is science, or that it is philosophy, or that it is history. As long as, listen guys, this is my, my, uh, that's my opinion, my opinion, it's my ideology, it's not science. So, for example, if you say, I don't know, um, women are, are essentially identical to men. There is such ideology, by the way, and it is today the prevailing uh, prevailing um, uh, thinking in most academic institutions yeah. in many countries, including the United States. Yeah. And women, essentially identical to men. They are minor, you know, yeah, yeah. difference here, but yeah. Is this science? No, yeah. absolutely not science. Although there are many books that espouse it, written by academics and so on, yeah. it is not science. However, it is masquerading as science, right. it is essentially pseudoscience. Okay. Many pseudo-sciences masquerade as science, they are actually ideologies. Right. So, for example, Marxism. Marxism presented itself as a science, the science of economics. They discovered the laws of economics. There are stages, one, two, three, there are... Marx presented his work as science. So did Sigmund Freud with psychoanalysis. He said, "I discovered the science of the mind. Yeah. These are not sciences." So these intellectuals were misleading. Okay, they did, misled. Did because Marx and Freud
0: were there similar time. Did science have a looser meaning back then? Did it mean a system or no. did it, it meant science? science no, meant if anything, science. it had a stricter meaning. Really? Yeah. So, so they
1: did literally present ideology as. They, want, want, they aggrandized, I mean, it was self-aggrandizing. It was. I discovered the principles of economics, I discovered principles of mind. You yeah. know. They aggrandized themselves. It was self-aggrandizing and also presumptuous. And frankly, in the case of Freud, for example, he wanted grants, he wanted money. Right? Freud should have known much better because he was a neurologist. Yeah. I mean, if he was, I don't know, yeah, yeah. a philosopher, but he was a neurologist. He knew damn well what he was doing. Yeah. Uh, Marx, not so much. Marx was not, uh, to start with, uh, glorified economy. I mean, Marx, okay, Marx. Yeah. But if you read the text, they are presented like laws of nature. Like yes. And so on. Yes. It's yes. wrong, it's not. Yeah. So, what are they? What is psychoanalysis? It's a literary text yeah. containing massive ideological elements. Yes. What ideology? Middle class in Vienna, bourgeoisie. Yeah. Middle class in, in Vienna in the 19th century with sexual repression, yeah. with middle class mores, with yes. do's and don'ts of the middle class. What is Marxism? Marxism is, is uh, the belief that uh, ultimately capitalism is, uh, has uh, carries its own uh, seeds of death. Yes. Uh, uh, implodes. Yes. That's an ideology. It's yes. not a science. Why? Why is it not a science? Because we've never seen a capitalistic system die yet. Yeah. Maybe in 2000 years, it's a real science. Yeah. Right now, it's not. Yeah. We haven't seen. We have an, uh, enough time, simply. Capitalism is like. Technically 500, 600, 700 years old. anywhere yeah. you want to start. Yeah. It's too short. So we, we never saw a system die. So are you saying with both the, the
0: core of Marxism and the core of what Freud is known for, which is psychoanalysis, they're both, they can't be science because they're actually very culture-bound, they're very much about the time and the place, because Marx came up with that
1: in London, didn't he? There was a rise in the late 19th century and well into the 20th century, a rise of disciplines, right. psychology, sociology, yeah, the, the soft sciences. Yeah. Who economics? Yeah, these disciplines insisted to be considered science, right? Because science, the science guys have white coats, yeah. which <laughs> women find irresistible. <laughs> so, how they solved, how they squared the circle? They introduced yeah. mathematics. Right, Mathemat- Ah, if it's mathematics, it's science. <laughs> Never mind that in mathematics, it's utter rubbish. Yeah. Mathematics is a language. Yeah. I can say mathematics is very correcting, but yeah. totally, also total nonsense. Right. So, suddenly, economics, starting in the 1940s after Keynes, became suddenly, I mean, up until then was text, suddenly became totally mathematical. Mm. Chicago School and so totally mathematical. Yeah. If you don't know high, mathemat- high mathematics, you cannot study economics. Same with psychology. Psychology used to be text, exclusive text. Yeah. And suddenly there was this experimental psychology and like experimental physics. Same. Physics deals with uh, bodies like the sun. Here's one good thing about the sun. He doesn't change. Well, at least not in uh, in a year. Yeah. It's absolutely the same. It's yeah. identical. Here's one bad thing about Richard Grannon. He changes every five minutes. Right. So how can psychology be a science? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How can psychology be a science? Even if Richard Grannon sits still, which is, I never saw him do, but okay, if, even if he sits still, yeah. still thinking? <laughs> I'm still changing yeah. dynamics. Yeah. The light is coming. Vaknin yeah. is shouting. I mean, everything is changing. So there are many, f- I mean, so all these people try to be suddenly scientists, you know, because it was sh- it was vogue, it was chic, it was in fashion, gone uh, on.
0: As an aside, do you think uh, psychology would benefit from dropping the pretense?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Really? One of the best psychologists ever, yeah. by far, Yeah, is Dostoevsky. Right, And I mean by far. Comparable only to Freud. No other comes close to it. Not you, not Schmu. Yeah. Comparable only to Freud.
0: Obviously, I'm not saying no scientific method in an experiment. Yes,
1: of course. Listen, it's good to observe people. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, nice, and yeah. you can learn a few things. Yeah, I'm not uh, underestimating observations of people, like yeah. we observe I don't know, monkeys or yeah. we observe animals. Yes. So it's good to observe uh, people, and you can learn a few things. For yeah. example, you can learn that most people, given the chance, will cheat. Right. That's done already. Yeah. Not really conducted experiments. Most people, given the chance, will cheat. By the way, most people. Yeah. I mean like ninety percent. Yeah, yeah. Given the chance we'll cheat. Yeah. You um, mean in
0: a in a game or
1: yeah, they put them in a situation where they could cheat or not cheat. Yes. And then left the room. They F- cheated. F- F- Everyone cheated. Cheat. F- Everyone cheated. F- F- cheat. F- moral, not moral. Everyone yeah. cheated. So that's useful. Useful knowledge. Yeah. My grandmother before she died told me the same. So <laughs> it might have saved a few taxpayers' dollars. <laughs> <laughs> but still, yeah. my, my grandmother my yeah. grandmother and I only really looks uh, different. Right. can't say better because he had an accident, but he looks <laughs> different to my grandma. Yeah. So we yeah. derived some benefit. Yeah, uh, yeah. And similar experiments. I'm not saying it's totally useless. I'm not, yeah. don't misunderstand me. Yeah. It's not science. It's an observational thing. I don't know. It's like, uh, it's, it's, I don't know what to call it. I call it literature. Literature observes people, yeah. documents their actions and their motivation, yeah. speculates yeah. about their motivation, documents their actions. This is literature. Literature can be written uh, in a flowery, amazing, multi-layered language like Dostoevsky, yes. or can be written as a dry, totally boring and an interesting text like most articles in psychology. Like the DSM. Like the DSM. Uh, by the way, Freud is much closer to Dostoevsky because his, his work is absolute stunning literature. Right. I mean, it reads like literature. It's, it's beautiful, it's like a novel. So Freud was a, a very gifted author. Going try I'm going to try. I'm going. I'm going to misquote you now. What's new? <laughs> you always misquote. You.
0: <laughs> In an Instagram post, you wrote, uh, "I think you described psychology as a glorified literary exercise." Is that right? Is that something you'd say? Uh,
1: yes, I think uh, uh, psychology is a branch of literature, and economics is a branch of psychology, etc. Cetera, et cetera. Okay. Yes, I think there are. Um, I think all these. I, I think. Um, um, all these should be subsumed as they used to be yeah. in philosophy. To okay. this very day, in the majority of countries in the world, there is no separate faculty of psychology. Right, majority. Oh, no. Psychology is part of the faculty of philosophy. For example, where I teach, yeah. I'm teaching in Rostov University in yeah. Russia. Yes. In Russia, psychology is part of philosophy. Yeah. So, so in the Balkans, Balkans is the same. Yeah. China is the same. Yeah. There's no separate department. Okay. True. That's the way it should be.
0: Just keep, put it back as a brand Put it back, philosophy. absolutely put it back. Yeah.
1: Economics is the same. It's there are thing. economic texts written by Aristoteles. Yeah. economics is the same. Yeah. It's the observation of how people behave, but with yeah. money or goods or, so with value. Yeah. How they behave with value. But still observations. Uh, so you mentioned <coughs> money and
0: marketing and followers and likes and, and Freud's desire for grants. Um, Do you think he ever wrote or suggested a hypothesis that he knew would be controversial
1: just to sell books and sell seminars? No, I don't. He he had a very high uh, integrity. For example, when he published his trilogy Mm. of works about religion, Totem and Taboo, Moses and so on, it was exceedingly unpopular. I mean like… Uh, I've read,
0: I, I know in the Moses one, he was derided there. as a yeah. conspiracy theory. Moses not Anton
1: and everyone was like all over him and yeah. no one bought the books. Yeah. and there were, I think uh, Moses sold 800 copies and no one bought the books yeah. and he was essentially boycotted, Yeah, but he, perse- he persevered. Yeah. The trilogies I think over 10 years, 15, 20 years, right. but, like, he persevered, he didn't yeah. cut it off. No, Freud was, Freud is an example of a public intellectual of that period.
0: Okay. And you think
1: he had... Who oh, is not hankering he? after popularity, okay. absolutely not. He would say what he has to say, popular, sometimes popular, sometimes not popular. Do you think that Moses was Akhenaten? He didn't say Moses was Akhenaten. He said Moses was um, Egyptian prince right? during the period of Akhenaten, oh, okay. who was um, king, Yeah, very young king, and Akhenaten abolished uh, polytheism. Yes. He abolished uh, the worship of many gods in uh, Egypt and said that everyone should should uh, only uh, worship the god of the sun, Atum. He also destroyed the temples of Amun-Ga, Amun-Ga, which was the greatest uh, goddess like uh, Donald Trump. Yeah. So he destroyed the temples and so on. Consequently, when he died, the Pharaoh Amunra, uh, destroyed, <laughs> erased yeah. his name from all the stellas and all the pyramids, yeah. and all this. So that's why we almost did not know about him. Yeah. So what Freud is saying is that Moses was a prince who was exposed to the influence of Akhenaten. Okay. And uh, when Akhenaten and he was in the kind of in the in the, in the administration of Akhenaten, okay. and when Akhenaten died relatively young, uh, Moses was out of favor. Right. So he collected the slaves. And he exited Egypt, yeah, bringing with him monotheism. That's the thesis of uh, what's his name, of Freud. It's not that outrageous. I
0: actually, th- I, had, I actually, genuinely thought that Freud was suggesting that Akhenaten no, no, was a same person. So think. that's that's not
1: that outrageous. It's um, it's okay. Like, uh, first of all, Moses is really an Egyptian name, Moses. Moses. Oh, okay. an Egyptian name. Oh, okay. not not uh, Jewish, not Hebrew. Totally Egyptian. So he, what, Egypt. he definitely was raised Egyptian. He was raised Egyptian. Yeah. The Bible says that he was uh, born, put in a, because there was a decree to kill all Jewish firstborn. Yes. Which happens every two years, as far as, <laughs> the, as the scriptures. So they, uh, his uh, no, his uh, family uh, took him and put him in a kind of a cradle, yeah. which mirrors another story, doesn't it? Wasn't there yeah. another kid who was put in a cradle and then he went? And yes. The river and uh, by the way, in in quite a few religions, Zoroastrianism is it? One, is it really no? Yeah. Yeah. So and then he was drifted and then the, the, the daughter of Pharaoh yeah. found him right. and adopted him. So it, the Bible itself says he was Egyptian. Yes. I mean an Egyptian prince. Yeah. Because daughter of Pharaoh, he was an Egyptian prince. Yeah. There, Freud agrees with the Bible. Okay. He just speculates later that he was expo- that this happened during Ahmad Although the Bible says differently. Yeah. The Bible says it happened during Ramses, yeah. another king. Another Pharaoh. So there's a disagreement between Freud and the Bible, of of course, Freud should be respected what's the Bible, (laughs) and um, minor 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 adjustment. Um, When it comes
0: to uh, public intellectuals and the desire for fame, because they know that that's what's what's going to to have an effect, (coughs) do you think they can ever in their activities tip over into something bordering on, uh, I wouldn't say con artistry, but where they're being so fake just to get what they want, that it, they're, bu- they're 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 playing a dangerous game. Most say. of the time?
1: Most of the public intellectuals, most of the time? All the videos I watched are like this. Uh, uh, right and left? All right and le- Many of them are not right or left, for example physics videos, or uh, I don't know, uh, or, or, or let's say someone like Jordan Peterson who claims, insists that it is not right or left, yeah. Yeah. but most uh, most videos that I've watched, without naming names uh, and shaming shames, uh, most of them are like that. They are meticulously, and I would say even expertly, I strongly suspect there are advisors behind them. Yeah. Tailored to cater to the widest denominator, the, the, the greatest common taste, and to flatter the viewer and fawn I mean and cater to his grandiose need yeah. to, to be considered special, in the know, privileged, yeah. and absolutely, they are all absolutely tailored for this. Right. Not all, I'm exaggerating, but yeah. where you don't find this is with um, public intellectuals whose viewership is more limited. Right. So, but when you have um, public intellectuals with hundred million followers and so yeah. on, I mean, they have to. Yeah. If you don't do that, you're sacrificing $50,000. I mean, think about it. Yeah. Just by changing imperceptibly, yeah. injecting some words and so on, you make another $50,000. very tempting. Oh, and when you say
0: $50,000 there, you, I would be sacrificing
1: $50,000. You mean $50,000 a week? You don't mean a year? Sometimes weeks. a week, sometimes, yeah. a week, sometimes yeah. a, It's huge money. Right? A, it's a lot of money. I mean, yeah. it's very tempting. It's irresistible, I would say. Don't forget that most of these people started off as poor people, professors. Yeah. They have the mini salaries, you know, yeah. professors don't make money, yeah. and they're very poor people. Yeah. They, they have sandals and they drive, I mean, ride on buses. Yeah. Some contraption I heard of, uh, <laughs> I mean, they're poor people. Yeah. And suddenly they make $80,000 a week yeah. from YouTube advertising or Patreon or, and they go crazy, they lose it. They change, yeah. They lose yeah. it, absolutely lose it. It's like winning the lottery,
0: you know. So, seeing as we're on that subject, um, do you do you think there is much stock in the notion of a context-based narcissism or context-based personality disorder, where you can become very wealthy, very famous too quickly, and it does something to the to the mind?
1: Yeah, actually, the technical term is not context-based. Based. It's, uh, the, the, cor- the, the the correct term is acquired situational narcissism. Right. It was first described uh, many decades ago. There was a study of uh, people who became suddenly rock stars,
0: right?
1: And they were administered uh, narcissism tests yeah. throughout their ascendance. Okay. So they became like um, municipal rock stars, and yeah. the guy called them—I mean, the professor—I forgot yeah. his name. Milman, Milman. Milman
0: did some interesting.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah Millman. Okay. He started to interview them when they were at the beginning of their careers, the bottom yeah. of their career, yeah. but, sti- but o- uh, already identifiable, like yes. already, you know, in the neighborhood, yeah. neighborhood kids, yeah. and traced their ascendance to the top. Yeah. And their scores, narcis- narcissism scores, yeah. shot together with the career. Wow. And collapsed after they fell out of favor. Okay. So he coined the term acquired situational narcissism. So, yes, of course, there is merit to that. Absolutely. Yes. It's a well established thing. And you would say that some very
0: popular public intellectuals may also be suffering from this uh, quiet situation? It's easy
1: it. to be a narcissist. Yeah. You're formed upon, you're admired, you are. You know, it's easy. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm not angry or you critical, mean. even. Yeah. Like, I understand the temptation. Listen, yeah. you were a prof- if you're a professor at a typical university in the West, yeah. and you're extremely lucky and with Ten years of tenure. Yeah. You would be usually making one hundred fifty thousand dollars, right? And another ten years, You can end up end your career with two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. Yeah. Before tax. After tax. Yeah. I don't know. Hundred thousand. Yeah. So, and here you go and become a celebrity, public intellectual. You can easily uh, make twenty, 000, thirty thousand dollars a month. Yeah. And some of them make. Uh, Two hundred fifty thousand dollars a month. Yeah, a month. Wow. I mean, it's uh, it it shatters your mind. It is uh, it's psychedelic. Yes. It's absolutely psychedelic. Yeah. You know? and then you're exposed to twenty million uh, people who are like, uh, and it's, it's it's irresistible. It's yeah. um, the changes. Uh, I don't think can be counted. There's no way to Im- to Im- to vaccinate to yeah. immunize these people against such reactions. So. Um, are there any
0: public intellectuals who you have particular admiration for, that, that you uh, follow,
1: that you enjoy the YouTube videos of? My problem with most of them is that they dumb down, right. they dumb down. Now, a public intellectual should simplify. Yeah. It is the role of the public intellectual, to educate, yeah. to enlighten, to bring the masses to the ideas and the ideas to the masses, and many ideas are very complex. So you need to simplify. Yeah, not only to simplify, you need to structure. You know, so A leads to B, B leads to C, and C leads to some Vakni. <laughs> so you need to structure and you need to simplify. But they go beyond that. They, not, they don't simplify, they dumb down. They, for example, absolutely limit their vocabulary to 800 words, mm-hmm. yeah. you know? You can see that, yeah. that they're limiting to 800 words. They um, would skip. They would say A leads to Q. Yeah. They would not bother with B, C, D. And, yeah. Or uh, they would or they would give sweeping statements like throughout the generations. Which is wrong to do. Yeah. Or they would um, draw uh, do something called non sequitur. Non sequito. Do you know what is non sequitur? You see. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay. laughs> non secretal means they would uh, draw wrong conclusion from right premises. Right. So the fallacies, uh, yeah. many logical fallacies yeah. and so on. But intentional, because it's much easier to understand logical fallacies, ironically. Right. Or they would engage in ad hominem, they would attack personalities, not right. argument, etc. Yeah. They would become part of the masses, not leader of masses. Right. They would reflect the mass they would become like a blank screen on which the mask can project anything.
0: Yeah. Which is what the marketing books tell you Yes, I mean, what you're describing is marketing. Of course,
1: internet marketing, of course. So, I didn't come across, except Slavoj Žižek, I didn't come across any honest public intellectual. Okay. So he's your, he's the, you think, the one honest? I also admire him because he has um, unfathomable depth. Yeah. This guy is endless depth. Yeah. And, um, mind you, he's limited in his spheres of knowledge. I wouldn't consult him on nuclear physics. He's limited on his spheres, but he admits his limitations. He would not talk about nuclear physics. He would talk only about his fields. And in his fields, his depth is enormous. His erudition is unparalleled. And his honesty and integrity are unequaled. And he doesn't dumb down. He does not dumb down. That's true. He, he talks, I mean, he, he wants to say a complicated $5 word, he will say a complicated $5 word, and yeah. the hell with the, with the audience, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so um, um, he's the only public intellectual I admire, Okay. If you ask about admiration. I have admiration for Slavoj He's yeah. old, old school. Because I think he was isolated behind, I mean, he was he grew up in Yugoslavia, yeah. which was different culture, different. He was a bubble. It yes. was, so it wasn't Yugoslavia was not that open to western so he's he's yugoslav right he's not American he's yeah. not. the corruption that started in France and spread to the United States and so on didn't reach at the time yugoslavia. Right. yugoslavia he was well educated that's the kind of education where they teach you how many sheep there are in New Zealand right. not how not only how to count them but how many are so he's like he has this depth yeah. Today in the education system in the West, they tell you, what does it matter, knowledge? What does it matter, facts? Why do we need to memorize facts? It's idiotic. (laughs) We need to learn how to find them, not how to memorize. We don't need to memorize them, we need to learn how to find them. Right. Uh, Yes, but what do you do with them when you find them? Um, Knowledge is not information. Mm. Knowledge is structured information. And the structure contains context, contains antecedents contains you know, many things yeah, yeah and they don't teach knowledge anymore mm. they don't teach information even anymore. they teach uh, tools
0: speaking of uh, Slavoj uh, listening to him sometimes he is as you say very honest to the point of if he feels pessimistic about a situation he will just say and it, it can be uh, can be shocking to hear Do you think public intellectuals like him have a responsibility to try and comfort people or do you think they should just give us the truth?
1: Just the truth. On this I'm unequivocal. Just the truth. One need not be brutal about it. One need not be sadistic about it. Some public intellectuals, and to a very minor degree, for example myself, I'm serious now. Uh, I'm not, you know, Slavoj Zizek, but whenever I... I am too brutal. And I'm too sadistic. I enjoy telling you the truth. You have cancer and you're going to die in cervix! <laughs> you know, this kind of thing. That's not good. Yeah. Because it doesn't, doesn't uh, it's not absorbed, it's not, it yields no action. People put up resistances to this kind of truth. Yes. Yeah. So the truth must be administered gently, mm. and, but never anything but the truth. Yeah. Never. And unfortunately, this is also a pitfall of current public intellectuals. They will syrup, they will dip the truth in so much syrup, it drowns, you know. And it it need not be. Ironically, if Donald Donald Trump had, if he had a vocabulary larger than 400 words, or 200 lately, he might have been considered an iconoclastic public intellectual.
0: I've heard you say this about Donald Trump many yeah. times. That
1: you, yeah. I'm not you, an admirer. I know you. I was the much. first to suggest in uh, early 2016 that the man is a total psychopathic narcissist. Yes. Let it be clear. Yes. However, his messaging, his messages, yeah. had they been uh, more erudite, more vocabulary steeped, <laughs> yeah. and so on, are sufficiently iconoclastic to merit close attention. For example is attack on uh, political correctness. Yeah. Political correctness is what Herbert Marcuse called uh, um, a kind of repressive tolerance. Herbert Marcuse called it repressive tolerance. Okay. Like, if you're politically correct, you're not tolerant. Yeah. You're repressive. Yes. Donald Trump is attacking political correctness all the time. But he's attacking it like a bull and like a bully. Okay, Because he's a very low-level person. Yeah. He's a kind of, you know, peasant. Yeah. And... Um, But had he been Obama-style, had he been much more cerebral and sophisticated and smooth, actually many of his arguments uh, fit well with a proper public intellectual. I know it's uh, a bit shocking to hear. (laughs) Because I've heard
0: you say it a number of times, the word Mm. Donald Donald Trump and then intellectual. But also elsewhere, um, I think in another conversation we had, and I only caught it on the playback, You described him as, you you think he's an intelligent man.
1: He has versatile uh, intelligence. Right. In the sense that he could, he applies his intelligence to a variety of disciplines and vocations. Yeah. And succeeds in all of them, whatever you say, (laughs) whatever we say. Yeah. All of them is a a success. So his intelligence is very versatile. People describe him 20 years ago as bordering on genius. People who would work with him and and who hate his guts and who publish criticism of him.
0: They still say 20 years ago. They say 20 years
1: ago he was a genius, now he's an idiot. Because you know, we have
0: established, haven't we, that, yeah. that there seems to be a change in him in the last yes. 20 years. Yes. But at one time he was yes. a very...
1: But if you look at his biography, it would have been uh, difficult for a non-intelligent man to do this. He even would. the corn artistry, even the you know, cutting yeah. corners, Sure. even that would require some intelligence. The common
0: uh, counter to this that I've read time and again online is actually he's a huge <coughs> failed businessman. He owes money out here, there and everywhere and he's failed. How would you reply to
1: that? I would reply to that that I would adopt such failure any day. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I would reply. No, seriously, come on. Yeah. Of course he failed. Who doesn't fail? Yeah. I mean, uh, well over well over 90% of business failed in the first five years. Yeah. So, uh, it's the Absolutely. statistic. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he failed. Failed here. Failed there. I don't know he's president of the United States. He's a big private jet. He has an even more beautiful wife. I mean, yeah. uh, allow me to fail that way yeah. on a regular <laughs> basis. <laughs> I'm not a supporter of Donald Trump. And as he is now, yeah. he is a prime example of Alzheimer at his worst, at its worst. Yeah. Uh, zero memory, zero vocabulary, zero analytical skill, zero reasoning argument. The guy is a, a, a cretin, a, a moral. But people who are now criticizing him as someone su- having a mental illness or yeah. retardation, even, yeah. so they are not friends. People who have written books, for example, this uh, black advisor, a woman, yes. she was his advisor for black affairs. Okay. So she wrote a book about his, the White House. She said, this, this guy is mental illness, I mean, he's totally retarded and so on. Yeah. But she also said, when I worked with him 20 years ago, he was a genius. And so she's not suspect. And you said this, this woman particularly is a very intelligent woman and you would trust her analysis? First of all, of all I would trust her. Second yes. of all, she's an enemy, clearly. Right. I mean, why would she say 20 yeah. years ago was a genius? Yeah. Gratuitously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she worked with him on The Apprentice. So she was a genius. Yes. First of all, she said his vocabulary was enormous. Yeah. Can you believe this? Yeah. In the book, I read the book. <laughs> she said he had an enormous vocabulary. And he was the most persuasive and amazing leader in this and that. And then she says, but now is retarded, uh, I mean, should be uh, you know, impeached because he's mentally ill. I mean, so she's not suspect, she's not like a, a adulator. So I th- okay. least people change. in 70s, sometimes people change. Sure. in the 40s uh, or '50s, yeah. they could be geniuses. Yeah. And uh, 10 years later, yeah. Donald Trump sure. OK. Well,
0: thank you very much, sir.